Chubby Tubs Nation, and you're listening to the Root Horror Podcast. bad i just want to mention next weekend is midwest monster fest 2021 it'll be happening at the rust belt in east moline illinois it's going to be a kick-ass time i hope you all can uh, show up i'll be there it's going to be an amazing time there's going to be tons of celebrities including cj graham tom matthews linnea quigley mark price Nathan Basil, Clint Howard, Chaney Morrow, Tamara Glynn, Lisa Wilcox, Justin Markson, John Dugan, Richie Ramone, Corey Glover, Damian Maffe, Mark Torgel, Sandra Gimple, Hannah Fearman, Darcy DeMoss, Rob Mello, and Tom Fridley. So the lineup is stacked this year, and uh, I'm excited. It's, it's going to be a, an amazing time. I don't know what else uh, <laughs> to say. It's going to be amazing. And if you get there early Friday, I'll be there to kick off the first panel done over the weekend. Uh, starting at 4.20 p.m. in the afternoon, I'll be talking to the High on the Hog guys again as we'll talk about the film High on the Hog and the late great Sid Haig and some of the other cast members that were in the film, Bobby Zadar, Joe Estevez, etc. So it should be a fun conversation. Uh, it's going to take place September 3rd, 4th, and 5th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a whole weekend it's filled with uh, amazing horror to feast your eyes on. There's going to be a horror pinup contest, a horror special effects contest, a Midwest Monster Fest film fest that'll take place most, I think, actually the whole weekend. So, I mean, there's just, there's going to be tons of stuff to do. Uh, vendors all over the place. I think Wake Brewing will be there supplying their amazing beer. And uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I think maybe Low Pies pizza will be there as well so do not miss your chance next weekend the quad city's first horror and pop culture convention you can find more info at www.midwestmonsterfest.com but now more on to uh the main topic of the episode i have eric brummer who is a director and actor on the show to discuss his films in the horror genre and uh, 
right off the bat, I do want to mention that this episode is going to sound different because uh, the only way I could get a hold of him was uh, through a phone. So uh, his audio might sound a little different than some of my previous episodes. So I just want to give you a heads up that this will sound a little different, but uh, there's a lot of interesting topics that was discussed. And if you're into underground horror or want to get into some underground horror stuff, uh, stick around for this episode because we talk about some hard to find horror films that he's been a part of and, and made. And uh, also you get to hear some uh, pretty cool stories of, uh, of maybe some people you've heard of. And uh, this was a good episode. I, I really enjoyed my conversation with Eric. So uh, without further ado, let's give Eric a ring. Hello, everyone. This is Marcus with the Root Horror Podcast, and I'm here with writer, actor, director Eric Brummer. He's here to talk about the horror genre and uh, talk about some of the obscure horror movies that he's made in uh, the 90s. Uh, some of his films are Debbie Does Damnation, Electric Flesh, Joanna Died and Went to Hell, and uh, he's also acted in Debbie Does Damnation. And uh, a few other films like uh, Ride with the Devil, Ghost Taxi, and and other ones. Um, Eric, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Sure. Um, so I know, uh, you know, like some some of the uh, the ones I mentioned, like uh, Debbie Does Damnation, Electric Flesh, and Joanna. Uh, those are kind of like similar in, in a in a way of uh, they're all shot in black and white and uh there's like even like claymation in those films and just very like weird and obscure but uh they they definitely kept my attention the whole way through just because of I've never really seen anything like this before and uh I I wanted to to talk a little bit about like the claymation work uh sure I I I from what I've heard and read uh that you created the claymation on those films and it's incredible work. Can you tell us, uh, about the creations and how long it took to shoot those scenes? Well, that film took me almost like five years to make, or maybe almost 10 if you want to finish it up. No, 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 about five. Um, the claymation was a way of, of dealing with the no budget I had pretty much, um, instead of building giant elaborate sets, I'll just say, well, let's miniaturize it and animate it. And that's pretty much what I did since I did a lot of animation. Um, I mean, I was, I was making films when I was 13 when I had my first camera, Super 8 camera. So everything was shot in Super 8, but Electric Flesh was in color. So that was my first color film actually. And when, when I decided to just blow it up with, it was just full color, like, go non-stop with the colors like the reds and the you know pinks and all that blue lighting and everything like that so it all came up from my influence from Ray Harryhausen let's put it that way I, I used to love watching those films and, you know, when I was a kid um, mm -hmm. Seven Voyages of Sinbad and then Gumby and Pokey you know that kind of stuff nice. yeah so like uh, yeah the Electric Flesh is in color but like uh, Debbie Dubs Damnation and Joanna those were in uh, black and white. 
and uh, uh Spiritual Overkill is another one. Oh that yeah, one. that that's yeah. one that uh, I haven't watched yet because uh, kind of hard to find. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them that are so hard to find. I mean, I've got um, already two films in the can already that, that I, I haven't even released yet or anything in a while. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, because the finance ran out, and these were my bigger, broader um, um, projects that took me about, yeah, about 10 years for these two movies, you know. Um, yeah, the Speed Demon and the other one, and this was before Breaking Bad, and Speed Demon was about Breaking Bad, pretty much. And it was William Smith's last film. Um, William Smith, the actor, not um, just recently passed away um, from the old biker movies and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He was in. He was in Debbie Does Damnation, actually. Oh, okay. The older guy, um, the Knights of Key, played. Uh, I think it was was it Claygor or Cancer one of those two of the minions that separated hell. Oh uh, yeah, was he the uh, the one guy? Like he had like a unique voice. I thought uh, it was it was pretty interesting. Uh, his character that um, you know I don't want to spoil anything, but. Uh, he wasn't. Was he the the character that uh, was kind of you know like getting it on with one of the demons? Oh, that's that's Dookie Flyswatter. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's Dookie. He's the singer of um, Haunted Garage. Okay, I I thought his character was pretty interesting, and he had a uh, a unique voice that uh, that made me chuckle a few times in, in some of the the scenes that he was in. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's he's a, he's a character. That's why I, I, I use him a lot because you know I met him on, on a set of we were, we were doing a uh, what is it? Um, Space worms eat everybody. I think that's what it was. It was a, a determined director, um, and that's how I met him. Um, mm. And then probably some trauma stuff he was doing. And I was working with um, I was I was actually doing stuff and acting for um, Yorkville Entertainment, and then. Don Jackson, that's it, that's the director, rest in peace, um, who did, what was that, um, Hell Comes to Frogtown 2, I was doing that. Oh, okay. That was freaking that one. Yeah, was terror, that was pretty bad. I was <laughs> in the opening scene, actually, me and the other guy, we were wearing the frog mask, and then we were doing the stunts, invading the human side of the um, sector of that film that started the war, I guess, for Frogtown 2. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then I was, you know, and I was doing construction, and and inspired me to make films. And I was reading this book, Rebel Without a Crew, which was what Robert Rodriguez's book that inspired me pretty much. I decided to have a hero because, you know, I I didn't realize that we live in a pretty much heroless society. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think about it, you know, name a, name a hero that's that's doesn't represent, you know, fame, fortune, and all that kind of stuff, and that inspires you, and it's hard, you know, it really was hard. I was like, okay, so I had to come up with something, and it's important to have a role model, which I, I really didn't really have one, because I was a punker, and I didn't really care. I was a musician, drummer, I mean, for bands. And, um, yeah, that helped me when I read his book, and then um, it inspired me to, okay, if he could do it, I could do it. And I pretty much did the same thing he did. I mean, I'd had no crew, I just did it all. If you saw the background, the behind the scenes thing on there, um, yeah, I, I had the cute camera, light, everything, and all that kind of stuff. Nice, nice. Oops, crazy. <laughs> yeah, those, yeah, those are uh, pretty. Uh, you know, I, I keep saying obscure 
movies. Um, and, and, you know, and they're hard to find, like, like we were mentioning earlier. Um, you know what? I should get a, um, fund me thing, a go fund me thing. Cause yeah, I, I, um, yeah, for a while there, I was, after that, I was kind of almost homeless, you know, it was like after all these projects and all these things happened, you know, uh, then I started, um, getting jobs as an editor and, and adult, um, companies, you know, cause I guess Rob Black, have you heard of this guy, Rob Black? Uh, He's in charge yeah. of XPW. This guy is like a wrestling guy and, uh, uh, like my work, and he hired me to do editing and camera and shooting and all that kind of stuff. For he had a company, XPW, which is a wrestling company, and also an, a porn company called um, Extreme Associates, which is like the most at that time hardcore uh, uh, company around. He actually got arrested for obscenity. Oh, which is a thing. Yeah, he 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 had he was like trying to push the envelope, you know, with 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 crazy things like you know fake snuff, uh, whatever, and, and I think a, a documentary from PBS came by and actually left the set because they were just shocked <laughs> what he was doing when he was directing it. I was like, oh, wow, here I am working for a notorious company. <laughs> a lot of stories there, and you have the wrestling practicing here, and then they're shooting porn there, and then there's true, and you're like, okay, what did I get myself into? But, you know, it was cutting edge, you know, and I said, well, you know, he let us do whatever um, we wanted, and, and some of my work reflected off there on, on their stuff, which, um, yeah, garnered a couple of awards. And that financed my thing, which was, which was, um, uh, Fang Vendetta or, or Vampire Vendetta and the other one, um, Speed Demon. And, you know, one was a vampire film that was like Memento. Mm. I mean, Dracula, I don't know, it was really weird. And yeah, people love that one. That one that they said it was, um, their favorite, the last one. And that was shot in, yeah, sepia tone, which is funny. Yeah, because of video, my first digital movie. Nice. And what, what I was trying to do is revamp W Does Damnation because it wasn't completely finished either. That's the problem. When I looked at it, I go, well, that's not the, the finished product that I had, had um, released or shown in the festival. So I have to, I'm re trying to review it, not revamp it right now with better sound effects and more effects in it. Hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I was gonna kind of allude to. Uh, um, is there any place where, like, you know, like the listeners or even myself could uh, could uh, find some of your films, like for like purchase, like any physical copies, or um, are they just kind of in limbo at the moment? Yeah, it's in limbo. Like I said, I gotta get uh, start a GoFundMe thing. I think. Um, and um, yeah, because right now all my stuff was in storage. And now it's like, uh, you know, it's collecting dust, which is a waste, you know, mm -hmm. especially all this footage I have for the other two unreleased films right now. These, um, you know, that I, I've got to get back to, to working on it, but I've been busy here working on destruction and all the stuff that needs, you know, in houses again, you know, trying mm -hmm. to get back, um, you know, to get the funding on that and then start completing it. Cause I was pretty much an experimental filmmaker. I mean, what, what really inspired me was, was the old, you know, um, short filmmakers that uh, were experimental, like Andy Warhol was kind of like that, but, oh, God, I forget her the names. Um, but, um, you know, scratching on films, uh, what was that the guy's name? Uh, it'll leave me right now. But, yeah, I mean, I would, um, I went to Cal Arts and I was really, uh, I met a filmmaker named Peter Haskell, who 
rest in peace. I mean, he was a, he was going out with Exene. Have you heard of uh, the band X? Mm, I, I I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an old 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 school punk. Um, and he was and John Doe was the guitar player, and then I guess he was married to Exene, and then he had an affair. I don't know. And he did their music videos, which were amazing. I was amazed. And he showed me German expressionism, and, and it's a you know the old black and white German films that inspired me. That's what inspired me. So nice. um, I mixed in animation with that, and that was kind of like a hodgepodge of uh, it's like Harry Hat New York Underground Film Festival was set around like um, Ray Harryhausen on a bad acid nightmare. <laughs> and, yeah, and that was that was great. That was just great. Oh god, that's perfect. And Richard Kern also inspired me because he. Um, Peter knew Richard Kern and he sent my work to him in New York and he really loved my work so he's the one that actually pushed me. <laughs> but other than that, I was making fanzines and punk zines and I was doing something like like you you're doing interviews with, with band members and all that kind of stuff. I was I was actually an editor for Mutilated Madness and uh, and Richard liked that. He liked the publication. So there's a lot of people in New York. I got a lot of fans in New York but never here. And then um, the director of Joker you know what I'm talking about, Todd Phillips? Yes, yes. Yeah, he's the one that, that picked my film out of, of, for the New York Underground Film Festival. He used to run it before oh, wow. he got famous as a director. And um, he was alluding to, um, yeah, he, he was pretty cool. Um, he, yeah, he liked my work. Wow, that's what's up. Yeah. I'm thinking I should hook up with him and see what's going on. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. it been a while. I, uh, dude, I'm all for... Uh, you doing like a, a GoFundMe or not even really a GoFundMe, do like a, um, like either like a Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign. Oh yeah, I should write this down. Yeah, okay, yeah, that, there we go. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's where, uh, the crowdfunding really is for films. I mean, um, you know, I've, I've helped, uh, some of my friends films through Indiegogo campaigns and, uh, you know, most of the time they're successful. And, you know, they get what they need and, uh, you know, you can, you can do perks where like, you know, if you, if you sell, uh, or well, say, I have a lot of merchandise stuff in the old days. So yeah, like that's perfect to put like perks down for like, you know, $20 for, you know, a Debbie like does damnation DVD yeah. or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Comic books, yeah. illustrations, people yeah. will love that stuff. Yeah. Cause I was an artist first. I started, you know, painting and drawing and all that. Since I was like two or three years old, <laughs> yeah. My some of my stuff we were in galleries too. Blues Day Hazy's gallery that was that uh, was interesting. Sorry, <laughs> but it was my, my problem was, was like there's too many things in the art field that I like. You know, I was a musician and I was like doing paintings and drawings and sculptures, and then film was the ultimate thing that that, that eventually was the high rush for me. You know, for going sure. to. But it took me a long time to get this thing done, like, like, because it, it, the work it was involved in making films, but it was still a rush to see it. I mean, I had to have my. Own, we started our own festival in a way here, because there was no underground film festivals or that. So we, I just went to the local coffee shop right down the street and started it there, and we started the underground, the Hollywood Underground Film Nights, which got a lot of attention. Which was, Kind of strange. LA Weekly loved us. Like the look, the press loved us because we were like in Hollywood, you know, backyard, and we were doing this really off Hollywood mainstream festival, and and people liked that. Mm. And I wish it was still around because we we kept popping to other places. Once I got lost, you know, the coffee shop, 
Um, then we were at Zero One Gallery and all these other places. And it was um, really collecting a lot of filmmakers besides for me. There was Robert Rindle and there was, you know, Tyler Hubby and all these other filmmakers that, you know, started, we started the Hollywood Sub-Cinema Conspiracy, I guess we called it, a group. And we were traveling to other states in their um, film festivals. And we were coming along as a group because we would submit, like, they would submit theirs and they would accept it. And we'd all just fly <laughs> one group and just take it over <laughs> in a way. It was kind of funny. I remember, um, what was that guy's name? Um, Rod, was it Roger Waters? Oh my God. Guy did spray, um, hairspray and, um. Oh, uh, John Waters? God of Waters, yeah. yeah I'm getting, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and he saw us, you know, come in and, and, you know, it was funny. It's like, I, yeah, guys. Oh, yeah. Right after that, you know, he uh, made a film about that almost scene, almost like uh, what was that about that crazy director? Uh, uh shoot. Uh, wasn't Ed Wood? Was it or somebody else? No, 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 no. It was um. Oh no, no, no. He did a film about like what was it called? But yeah, he's a, this guerrilla filmmaker. He's ringing around, um, shooting, you know, his crew trying to make underground films. They kidnap a, a mainstream actress to to make him star in a film. I, I forgot the. Uh, I'll get. I'll, I'll remember the title. Right, it'll, it'll click to you. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, pretty much. Um, you know. Well, that's incredible. We started going to festivals, and then it started to. Um, then we were in a book. Jack Sargent wrote a book about the movement. It was like a, almost like the last movement of underground, I guess. Mm. Um, for cinema transgression, um, which Nick Zed started in a way, and Richard Kern, we were like the aftermath of that. And then um, we were all like featured in this book called Cinema Contra Cinema with my Jack Sargent. And I had a little chapter myself in there. And uh, yeah, that, that, then it fizzled up. Um, Everyone got busy. Everyone got picked up. Everyone started shooting mainstream movies. So it was really weird. And I was kind of like, ah, you know, I was all for the underground art thing and, and, and commercialism was just ruining it. So I just kind of like left. <laughs> I said, I'd rather direct porn. It's more nobler than, than you know, what they were doing. It was just terrible. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, the film festival was like, you know, I go to the Philippines, you know, and, and start, I had a lecture at the UP there, the University of Philippines. And, and, um, you know, um, see my cousin who's kind of like a celebrity there. And when I came back, the films that they picked for the last festival, I was like, you know, because I had, I was usually the curator, you know, and and I had to curate for the uh, the 2000 World Fair in, in Hanover, Germany. So I had to go there with two filmmakers. And we, it was an interesting festival, actually, that one. They had every theater, every big city had a little, little theater in this park that were um, seats like about, Ten people, and they had a loop of films that play, and then they'll play again over and over. And then people go to switch to big other cities in the canisters. They were, they were in these little, what do they call those, um, um, can, giant film canister? I mean, um, oh my God, um, those metal, um, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, those they, like, yeah, metal canisters that hold like film canisters. Oh no no not film canisters but you know when they import stuff to like a, from China to America they, they put it on these little um, 
modulars or whatever they call them, those metal, um, whatever you call them, that ships that anyway, they, they, they made like 20 of them and they, they had, they had each, each city, big city in some country like represented. So Brazil would be there, you know, Los Angeles, USA, New York, USA. So they had two for us and then they had Sweden and they had, you know, filled, it was like really amazing. It was like an international, um, day at this uh, park and you just go to these different um, countries and you can watch your shorts and they're all shorts collected together and they were put in a spool and they just put them in a loop and it was interesting. You could just go one to another theater, you know, like mm. theater hobby. It was free. And I thought that was interesting. And while I was doing all these things, they, they were, ran the festival and when I came back, I couldn't believe what they were playing. It was like stuff I was against, you know, it's like, oh my God, it's like a Brian De Palma film. This is another one that looks like, you know, you know, Steven Spielberg, I said, you know, when I, I curated, I would just look for things that were unique and not, not as cookie cutter as like, you know, a ripoff of this, this director or that director. And that's how you could tell a student film from an underground film because usually they, they uh, go to these colleges that show these films, you know, you know, like typical films that you would see in the movies, you know, and then they say, this is what you have to do. It's like putting your stamp on your forehead saying, you know, copy this and then you'll be successful or this is how you make movies. And, and I was against that, you know, mm-hmm. and that was the problem that I was having with the, with the mainstream Hollywood was that it was always the happy ending. It was a typical formula and the blockbuster. There's no more art, art house theaters anymore, you know, that, that used to have, you know, really artistic original stuff that just says, Oh wow, this is different. And it's, everything's pretty much the same now. It's like, you know, comic book action figure, like, you know, with, with a lot of CG now, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's like comic books inundated the whole industry right now. And I knew that was coming too, because, you know, as a comic book artist, I was like seeing the whole convention thing just pick up. And then also they just started buying properties and, and now they're, they're doing um, films about Spider-Man and everything, you know, that's all you see now. Yeah. in in remakes of movies, it, right. it seems like. Yep. Yep. Remakes too. You know, actually, I'm working on a superhero film. I'm, I'm kind of like tired of it that I was starting this project where he was just making fun of all of the characters, and it has to do with like some guy who's kind of like kind of like the One Punch Man. I mean, have you heard of this guy? One. It's Japanese anime. Yeah, they, um, they have a comic book called One Punch Man. And it's this guy who works out, and he's human, and he's like, you know, all these heroes come in, and he just punches them out with one punch. Mm. Because he just, and there was nothing really extravagant about him. He wears like a, a, a towel for a cape, you know, and he's just wearing a t-shirt and he's not like, you know, he's just making fun of uh, himself. Huh. And he meets up with these like, you know, giant superhero type people and he just punches them out with one punch. It's funny. But, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, or, or martial law where, where it's like some guy's a hero hunter and he's hunting heroes, but he hasn't found any lately and he's got... You have every ripoff of, of Spider-Man, Superman, all these characters that we were familiar with, and he just, um, you know, wrecks them. You know. Yeah. So is this yeah, kind of like a, a comedy in a sense too, or? Oh yeah, dark comedy, really violent one. You know, because like you know, like my films are pretty much um, <laughs> over the top, as much <laughs> as I can get. I don't know. So yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. yeah and, that's interesting. Yeah. When I was working. For Extreme, that was the, the, the film, um, a Fang Vendetta came out of it, and 
and that has a lot of porn stars in it. It's just like they, they became my friends, and all of a sudden, it was it was almost like a matching. You know, they they wanted me to sh shoot something, and then I said well, I got this idea, and they were all in for it. So I had all these porn stars and actors in it, and that was that was my departure off the animated film thing. But when I finished it, um, yeah, they were amazed. The the people um, were giving me offers to work for the companies. But it's funny how they go, well, I want to play that character. <laughs> you know, we do it. So they wanted to make it as a vehicle for their movie, you know. Mm -hmm. Nick Manning, I think that's his name. He wanted that. He goes, yeah, she come into my daughter company and, and do that film and I'll, I'll play something. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, awesome, man. But, but yeah, I, I mean, it's finished. And I, I, yeah, you're right. Indiegogo, whatever. Uh, I should go check those places out. Yeah, definitely. But I, because I don't have any um, passive income coming in now. I left that company. Uh, well, actually, they, they uh, fell apart. Because mm. after the rest of the, uh, you know, the federal agents came in because of the obscenity law, and they, they arrested the, the, you know, the producer, Rob Black. Um, he, I think he did a year. Mm. I'm not sure. But that was... That was interesting time because, yeah, censorship now, I mean, now, today, um, we are living under the censorship. It was, it's, it's gotten really bad now. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's amazing. It's just over politics, you know, and I hate politics, you know, that's why I was like a, a punk rock member because I was like, ah, politics is the enemy. You know, all a politician is is someone who pushes something that no one would vote for or like, and they would just push it in a way that you'd like it. That's all their job is. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, higher taxes. You'll love it because it'll fund this and it'll do this for schools and all. You know, stuff like that. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> they tell you what you want to hear and then they don't even go through with it at all. It's yeah, like, right. Hey. And they, they, they said, well, it's, it, they reword it differently. That's why you have, you know, legalese, that's their language, you know. It's like, do you understand? Meaning, do you stand under? You know, that's like a double meaning there. Mm. You have to be an attorney to learn all that stuff. That's why you need attorneys in court. <laughs> yeah. You know, they understand it. Yes, Your Honor, you can't do that. Yeah, so, yeah, with, with the, um, it makes you work just like, you know, you have YouTube and all these following that thing. If you do something wrong, it's slightly, like, almost Republican or whatever, it, it's it's going to get ejected, which is like, wow. So, even, even I, you know, I'm a, I never liked, you know, Bush or Trump or all those people because I thought, oh my God, this is what we have for president. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in trouble, you know. Right. And how is it that it ends up with, with these two or these three or whatever? You know, I'm, I'm surprised we don't have a third party yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I and I really think that's what needs to happen. I mean, I don't want to get like into politics really much. But, yeah, neither do I. Yeah, you know. you're right. It needs to happen. Everyone knows this. Yeah. And it, and everyone should just do it, you know, just like, heck, I'll just do the, whatever, the Freedom Fighter, you know, party or whatever. And they have the Green Party and all that, but, you know, they, they it's like almost that these people set it up so that way they have a, a choice, but they don't. Because it's really funded by the Democrats and Republicans to start, you know, countering their thing, and it's still rigged, you know, to me. Mm -hmm. But what they're doing is that they're, they're really limiting the artistic freedom that's going on either. I mean, politics affects everything, even, even you know, artistic um, ingenuity. You know, if someone comes up with something that 
is great, but it, it could be, you know, political. They, they, they just will reject it off all the platforms. You know, every platform there is, because they, they have a monopoly, pretty much. Pretty so much, yeah. happen. And, you know, it worries me that it's like, well, there won't be that much artistic things going on maybe in the future because of this. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I hope that isn't the case, but... Yeah, I hope that isn't the case because yeah, you know, yeah, there's a lot of great artists out there. But originality is, is being banished. You know, people are, like you said, making um, remakes of movies and all that stuff. They're, they're going by the what's been already done. I'll be back to talk to Eric here in just a few seconds. First, we're going to hear a message from the PFPN. And then... Uh, when we get back, a train goes by, so bear with us as we tackle back into our conversation. And uh, there's some fun twists of, uh, we do talk a little bit about politics on this, which I'm not really big on politics. I kept it in because it does twist and tie with uh, current events, also uh, relating to Hollywood. So it's the only reason why I'm keeping the politics stuff in. Otherwise, I usually try to refrain from that type of stuff. But uh Anyways, uh, I hope you stick around because there's a lot more topics to be ex- discussed. Uh, and we do allude back to the horror genre. So stick around. Enjoy. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah. In- there's a there's a train going by. I'm gonna wait a second. <laughs> God damn. <There> it. <laughs> oh, is this live? Huh? Is this like live? Well, it, it's not uh, live. I'll I'll have to edit this. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll edit this and I'll try to make this sound as as best as I can. Um, and actually, I've learned a few things about sound editing, so. Um, Hopefully I can make this sound even better than um, because I I talked to Jim Wynorski last time. Uh, He's he's the other. uh, You and him are the only person I've ever had an audio interview with over the phone. Yeah, I heard of Jim. Yeah. um, Dinosaurs kind of thing. Yeah, he well he did like Dinosaur Island. uh, Yeah, yeah. Chopping Mall. uh, A lot of a lot of great stuff, really. Uh, you know he's he's even done like his newer stuff like some of some of his movie titles kill me like uh the hills have thighs (laughs) (laughs) you know he kind of where's he from i think he's in uh california i don't know if he's in la or or whatnot he's he's still he's still around around uh that area i think oh okay but uh, uh, he's a local, so he's, he's like, like he might be down the street from you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know Marilyn Manson's down the street from you. That's funny. Hmm. But uh, a lot, a lot 
activity going on there. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I guess his, his exes are, are like complaining, you know, the, the Me Too movement going on, so they're like now going to his, his like, oh, Marilyn tied me up and did this to me. You know, he, he has a lifestyle that's pretty much BDSM now, you know? Mm. So it's like it's late master mentality. If, if you didn't understand the rules, lady, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what they're doing, and then and the cops go in there to do a welfare check on them, and it was like, what the hell? Helicopters and SWAT plans, like two TVs, all right? Wow. Yeah, it was funny. It was like, see, that's what I'm talking about. See, you know, some girl could accuse you of something, and then they'll send a SWAT in, and it just from hearsay. You know, it's like, what? This is ridiculous. You know, kind of embarrassing. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. after that, he had security 24 hours a day now in this house because of that. And I don't blame him because it's like, well, the government's stepping in on everything, you know. That's why they're trying to recall Gavin, and I, I, I don't blame him. This guy's really ruining L.A. and California. Uh, you know, I was, I was, that's where I'm trying to find out how to get out of here because it's like everyone else is doing it. The taxes are too high. Everything is just going downhill. The homeless crisis is going on everywhere. You know, here it's, it's really bad. Wow. Oh, yeah, it's just like every... Bridge, there is, there's a whole bunch of tents and stuff, you know, like a whole bunch of um, homeless people camping out. And my, my, my uh, makeup artist, he says he lives in a van, so, you know, that's that's the way it is now in LA. You gotta, you know, get a van and just, or, or an RV and then just park it and then sleep there. And then, you know, because there's no room, there's no nothing left to rent. And if, you, if there was any availability, you'd have to pay a lot of money to rent, you know. Like a one-bedroom apartment, we go like for two thousand a month. You know, really ridiculous prices. Damn, yeah, that is yeah, ridiculous. And the most taxes, and the most uh, just paid in California, and the most uh, the gas prices here, we we pay the most. So it's unlivable. It's pretty much you're crazy. You know, and it's, oh. so it's, you think it's gonna like uh, you know Hollywood in quotes? Do you think that's ever gonna get moved just because it's getting so bad? Like you think it should be? I mean, I think yeah. the, the Chinese are trying to do their damnedest to do that. They're trying to move it to China, you know, because they pretty much bought off everything in Hollywood and modeling agencies and everything. I mean, so it's it's pretty much you know run by them. That's why you have all this propaganda sometimes. Like, oh come on, you know, like like you know they're trying to make it look bad. Make it bad. They're trying to bring it, bring it down so they could move it to probably China, you know. But they bought it all. They pretty much got a lot of studios and all that kind of stuff. And they're they're doing something. I don't know what, but mm. you know, it should be. I don't know if it's gonna be good, you know. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah they're trying to like raise everything up and the prices and and, and moving uh, all the shoots to other countries or other states. It sounds like they're trying to force people out of there. get all the poor people out or middle class and then they, they take over and it's just going to be just rich people there. Like they said, uh, you know, the computer business here, mm -hmm. Silicon Valley, you know, it's just, uh, there's so much room there in San Francisco so they're probably maybe moving it over here. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. And here you have people selling out and moving out of there. You know, like um, the guy, the Teslas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tesla moved out of here. Yeah, they're they're making some moves for sure. Mm -hmm. so, I'm I'm thinking, man, I should get out of here. You know, there, I have a feeling it's gonna be civil war. Do you I think, think so? Oh yeah, I mean, it's been predicted by um 
Um, you know, my Google Prophets, actually. Who's that? Uh, yeah, I think it was in the month. Um, the guy with the UFOs, who was into the UFOs in Switzerland, he, he did that. He was, um, what was his name? Uh, Billy, Billy something. He was known as Billy the Kid. He, that's his nickname. Oh. But he, I forgot. Uh, oh, forget about it. Was, was he the but, guy? You know, that... I want to do a story about this guy's life, though. Whatever <laughs> this guy uh, from the seventies. Um, he was hilarious. Um, who who had these visitations from UFO uh, visitors, UFO visits, you know, from these um, I don't know, alien race that that looked human, and they, they would visit this guy, and then they would train him to be like, I guess a prophet or something like that and he brought him back in time actually to meet Jesus you know which is not his real name supposedly it's Emmanuel uh. <laughs> <laughs> and they had like a camper right next to the UFO you know and he, he goes hey you want to come with us he goes sure and when he went and saw Emmanuel he, he like went down and he goes oh my god this is him and he, and he had to punch him in the face in front of Jesus like, to calm him down or something like that it was hilarious like oh, I gotta do a film about this guy <laughs> Which, which I'm surprised no one has, you know, because he's, he's been in Mars, he's been, he's even got Polaroid pictures to prove it, and all this kind of stuff. Dang. I don't know. Yeah, that, hey man, I'm all for a movie like that. I need something off the wall crazy. Yeah, yeah, no one wants to do, you know, crazy anymore, because it's, it's not, it's just too risky. They all want, everyone else is just do blockbusters, you know, that's the only thing that's safe, it seems like. So, yeah, yeah. it's hard to, find anything to uh and you know this, this is it's just really coming down to like god i can just imagine our future there's only be two choices left you know democrat or republican you know that kind of it's already, it's already happening like that you know soon you won't be able to choose what you want to eat you know who knows yeah. they'll just have it limited like in you know when they do in russia well i i hope it never gets to that point you know well well, well yeah, with the, with the disasters going on right now, with the drought here in California, especially, that's why they have these wildfires. Um, I would be surprised because, yeah, our water is getting limited, and it's coming down to this. Yeah, it's almost post-apocalyptic um, times. Yeah, has the wildfires affected your area yet, or? Well, of course, big time. Um, big fires because we have the drought. We have this drought that's been lasting for 10 years or more. And because everything is dry here, anything can just start like a spark. Mm. You know, that's why they don't want people going to parks anymore because, you know, you start a campfire, that's it. Boom. It's so ignite. Oh my God. There's a big forest fire going on right now. The biggest one in California actually in history. There's thing. Yeah, that's, like that's so sad. Millions of acres are being burned and it's like, whoa. So, it's it's gonna be uh, crazy, um, but you know that's that's how it is. I'm used to it. You know, I see that all the time. Yeah, I, I used to film it. I used to film the fires all the time. I would go to uh, wherever the disaster is and try to you know get the footage and try to sell the news. You never know. Yeah, that's that's sad that, that that's happening right now. And and I was just even watching some news that uh, there's some really bad wildfires going on in Greece and Turkey right now. So it's kind of like. Yes. Like, holy crap, like, it's almost kind of, you know, like some apocalyptic uh, uh, stuff going on, you know, with the pandemic yeah. and then all but, this. But Billy Meyer and 
Nostradamus predicted it. That's his name, Billy Meyer. That's the guy's name. You mm. never heard of that guy, Billy Meyer? I think so. Up. It sounds very familiar. Yeah, yeah. He he had the the I think um yeah these flying saucers visit him. They they came from the uh uh some part of the galaxy and they're all white Aryan looking people. They and they have a German accent. So it's <laughs> 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 and and they're, they're just like oh yeah we're here you, you were once an alien like from this place and we came here on Earth and now you're like our spy or whatever. You're gonna try to help these people. You know, they're here to help. You know, try to help. <laughs> for what's coming up, which is the apocalypse or whatever, he said. Mm. And there'll be like two civil wars here now in America. So I was like, whoa, this is crazy stuff. You know, maybe I should get his message out. <laughs> He's just trying to get his message out. Yeah. In fact, he went back in time to tell Jesus, I guess, to write a manuscript and put it in like a bottle or some sort of, you know, encasing. And then when he came back, they went to find it and they found it. But it became so political that you know, the people who were trying to translate it were getting assassinated or something like that. It's just the craziest story I've ever heard. Man, sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. You know, and, and I thought, yeah, it could happen. You know, it could, I mean, maybe it is true. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty, uh, um, you can pretty right about a lot of stuff, too. Yeah. He even saw his life in the past, and he said, I'm just continue. He lost his arm in an accident, and he knew that when that time came, he just continued with that. He, he didn't change anything he, he said he didn't want to change anything he just wanted to keep the timeline going i guess well but yeah but he produces stuff like you know giant they went under the ocean with these <laughs> some big squid monsters I, yeah I, I definitely would love to do a story yeah man you could even like do like some claymation with some of the yeah exactly you know, like the sea creatures and the only thing you know <laughs> But, um, you know, it's it's becoming like a cult thing now. So people are are (laughs) starting to collect on that that, that aspect of it. It's it's almost becoming a religion. And the guy's still alive, which is amazing. He's been around a long time. Man, you definitely (laughs) got to do a movie. I mean, it's so obvious it was a miniature. And and the footage of this stuff is just so funny. I mean, I I look at it, I could do that. You know, I thought it was this big hoax that's been going on for decades. and, And... but maybe this tree, you never know. It's one of those things. Right, right. That has an ACO. But yeah, those are those things are you know, they're all dwindling. Everything's is is coming down to yeah. You're inoculated or you're not. You know, if you're not inoculated or vaccines you're gonna have to just you know, it's like oh, it's gonna be a witch hunt. Mm. You know. And and that's going that's what I'm worried about. Like, oh no. Oh you wow. Know? It's, it's a separation of, of, you know, the classes or the races. And, you know, it's just really bizarre times. That's all I can say. You know? Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I don't have what what's going on here quite like what you do to to an extent. But, I mean, you know, I, I see a lot of the differences and uh, things are changing here, like in Iowa, about, like, how people interact with each other, like, you know, do you wear masks? Do you have to wear masks when you go to the store? Uh, well, the, the uptick, it is starting to uh, go up again. So, uh, you know, like our Walmart, now they're really encouraging people to put masks on. Because, right. you know, for a while, the restrictions got lowered to where, you know, you could walk anywhere without a mask if you're vaccinated. And, you know, who can really tell if you're vaccinated or not? I mean, well, the thing is that, that, that's, see, that's crazy because the people who are vaccinated, you know, are still getting it. 
Yeah. You know, the new Delta, whatever it is. And, and it's like, well, what's the use of having vaccinations? And then here they are. It's free, right? Okay, I get that. It's free. But, but then, you know, it's like, why are they giving this thing free? And then now that that's over, now they're saying, okay, you've got to have it now. And, and this is happening so fast that it's like, well, has it been approved by the FDA? <laughs> it's like, no. And I said, well, that's crazy. You know, I'd like to see what happens first down the road, see what happens with people who, who, who get this stuff. Right. And some of them died from it, you know? It's like, whoa, that's even crazier. And now they want to push it on to kids. I mean, it's happening so fast, it's making you think, whoa, something's up here. Yeah. You know, and Bill Gates is running some of the financing this stuff, and he's pretty much said in the beginning on his lectures, you know, our job here is to depopulate the planet because we can't really, you know, uh, function with all these people in it. <laughs> and he's trying to make it like, you know, in a cute, funny way. Like, I know, we got the solution, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the solution vaccines. That scares me. So, so it's like, but, you know, here it is. It's happening. And it's it probably going to be black and white very soon, you know, which is why people need to get off their asses and start, you know, taking action, which, you know, we're, we're almost programmed not to do that. You know, television and all these, uh, you know, media and, and internet making us just, you know, lump in the couch and just say, well, we'll wait. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll so, wait and see what happens. <laughs> and, 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 and that's why they're moving fast. Like, okay, and they're striking. And it's like, yes, we've been programmed pretty much to just wait and do nothing. No, no critical thinking. You know, we, we're, uh, you know, just watching it and then it'll be too late. You know, that's, that's what I think is going to happen. It's already happening. Um, and it worries me. So it's like, it's like already in Hollywood, it's hard to film anything here, you know, I mean, because you have to have these guidelines. And, it, and we're having it worse than we're, what you guys have. It's like, um, we get, get every store and all that, you have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Which I thought, oh, this is kind of ridiculous. And, you know, soon you'll, you can't leave the country. I mean, that's a, pretty much will happen probably. It's like, okay, you gotta get knocked back vaccinated if you wanna leave. So you have this piece of paper saying, okay, you can leave and go everywhere. But yet, you know, people are spreading it. You know, yeah. they, they could have been vaccinated and they still have it. You know, especially with the borders open like that. Uh, all these people coming in from Mexico. Well, they're not even Mexican. They're like a lot of people from all over the world are coming to the South. Because yeah. of the open border policy. And you can tell, I mean, it's happening in Hollywood. They're like coming over here. And, and there's like more people who can't live anywhere because they can't afford it so they live under the bridges and it's it's almost like a homeless population explosion here which is why I guess um, they're trying to re- recall the governor uh, Gavin Newsom here and they're, and, and they're making it look like, like oh no it's employed by the Republicans and it's like no I don't think so but they're trying to pu- push it as a Republican thing trying to counter it but everyone knows that yeah I mean California is, is Worse often it ever was in any time of history. And so, yeah, they're like, yeah, we got to recall this guy. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. And I, I, I hate politics, but, you know, I look at it and go, yeah, he's got to go. <laughs> and they're making it like, no, no, he's got to stay. And, and he's winning the polls already. And, and we're all looking at each other like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> These are numbers. And, and they're doing this propaganda spin. Everyone's laughing at it, this whole thing. You know, like, you got to be kidding me. They all, they're thinking that the poll said, oh, yeah, Gavin is like 50-50. Oh, come on. Everyone I know is like, no way. They're even pushing me. I said, you know what, I don't get, I hate politics, but I might get into this if that's the case because, you know, 
it's gonna be rigged anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know it. <laughs> you know, it's like it's oh come on. You know, everyone I know was like saying, Yeah, and then politics is not the answer. That's all I can say. It's like there's another way, but everyone's thinking it has to go through politics to get things done. No, that's the worst thing you can do. You just like I didn't know but that's what I did. I just took action. I took a camera and just started making films, you know. Instead of going to school and paying so much money and where you can learn more through um, experience, which Robert Rodriguez inspired me to do. You know, Rebel Without a Crew. He said he could have went to film school, but he said oh, with that money, he just made a film and, and that got him um, noticed more. And actually, yeah, yeah with um, his first film. Mm. What was that film called? Uh, El Mariachi? Yeah, El Mariachi. You know, and he shot it with his cousins and all that in, in Mexico and it was great. You know, that's how he met Tarantino, so the ball went rolling for him. Yeah. And, you know, and it was, just like he did, just take action and just do it. Don't don't question it, don't vote on it, don't don't think about it, you know? Right. That's a very but good point. Yeah, but unfortunately it's like not like that anymore. It's like now you gotta, you know, plan it and if, can you film here or not or this or that or use this to you know. Everything's all paperwork now. Yeah. I think, like, you know, we're, we're not really going to see a whole lot of uh, original ideas. I mean, you know, every once in a while, I think Hollywood will try to pump out something that's original. But for the most part, it's like remakes or, uh, you know, kind of the same stories uh, recycled. But I think the ind- independent filmmakers are where we're going to see true original uh, movies and in the sense of, you know, you're, we're going to see a lot of like heart and, uh, and passion put into these because, you know, this is what they want to push to, you know, get people to watch and, and to get noticed. You know, these are, these are the hungry artists. And I think that's where a lot of the greater films are going to be produced by. Well, I'll tell you, I'll go one further. Um, they'll be so hungry for it that these films might start revolutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, soon the people will be flocking to these old films too. You know, maybe resurgence of of even you know my stuff uh, is maybe what's happening is that yeah they're getting desperate because it's yeah and then someone's gonna make a film that's gonna start a revolution. I think they're gonna go well wake up because that's what film is ultimately does pretty much um, or books or all that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah, which you know it, it needs to happen. You know, because it's. It's getting pretty bad as far as, you know, we're we're getting the same types of Sure. You know. But then look at look what's happened in the past. I mean, you have book birdies and now you have censorship from, you know, these platforms of internet platforms, so like YouTube and all that stuff. I mean, they're they're filtering it, but they're filtering out you know, good stuff that yeah. is rejected first. Anything can be rejectable. I mean, everything can be you know, tick tossed out. Uh, there's there are really no rules, it looks like to what, what, what gets to be, you know, in or out of these platforms. Because it's so gen- generic, so basic. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, it could be anything, but, oh, you felt this way, or the story told it kind of went leaning onto the right, and then that's it, and it was out. Because my friend was doing that. He was, he was, a lot of my friends are, like, getting uh, put off from their, their pages, you know, their uh, channels, and it's, like, really weird. I'm thinking, what? Because of that? Oh, man. <laughs> They're not political. They're not political at all. It's just like, you know, oh, just because something like this and then it, the word Trumper is mentioned 
or something like that, or you know, it's like you know, wow, that's, that is that is ridiculous. Kind of control. Anyway, I mean, America is about revolution, and here's this like this, you know, these people are angry. Of course, if you're angry and you think the election's rigged, you know, yeah, you're gonna get angry, and of course, you know, when you put them in the White House, like situation or near near government facilities, yeah, it's gonna happen, you know. And and they're making them out to be the bad guys and like they're terrorists and like whoa wait a second <laughs> they're American as me you know I mean that's not and it was peaceful it, was, it didn't look like it was hardcore and, and then they show these footage and it's always like propaganda okay I see what they're doing you know because I used to edit and, and do stuff like that too and like you know the narrative can be changed there's two sides of the coin and, and being an editor is interesting because you can change anything to go to that favor or that side you know anything can be changed. There's always two sides of the story, and mm-hmm. both sides will have like, oh my God, this is terrible, you know. You know, I mean, the only problem is that Trump just was not vetted. He he's not a political person. He just came out. It's <laughs> like a, a miracle, I guess, because <laughs> it was rigged against him. Their election, so it was, it was like for him to get all those votes. It's like, wow, they must have went to the polls, and and the other side just knew that. They go, oh well, we didn't, you know, we got to change it this time, and they did because they always did. And here it was, like, the, the things that are happening, that, the editing, I saw the editing, I said, oh, okay, they just cut this off, and then they did this, and they had comedians, you know, back it up, which is smart, you know? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a Democrat, too, I mean, I was, but now I just, like I said, I hate politics, but, you know, at one point, I did vote for Clinton, I was like, okay, because <laughs> I thought it was cool, he was a musician, too, you know, but that was back then. Right. That's how old I am. God. <laughs> you know, well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe stir the conversation a little bit. Um, uh, what uh, you know, this is, I mean, when I say a little bit, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna stir it stir to. It uh, uh, what's your uh, favorite Universal monster? Or do you have I mean, like, like Universal the company? Well, like or, uh, like oh, Frankenstein, oh, oh. Dracula, Wolfman. Those kind of, you know, like the old school Universal monsters. Mm, that's very Freudian. If, if I say Dracula, I'm into the sex, uh, the role sex, and, and, and Wolfman, that's butt sex. Believe it or not, Sigmund Freud had it down. <laughs> uh, Frankenstein, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what that word Frankenstein is interesting. <clears throat> But yeah, these were these were monsters that were created actually by Germans. <laughs> the old uh, German expressionist time, Nosferatu. Oh. So yeah, they they invented horror actually. That's interesting. That's what German expression was was because of the war, World War One experience made them pretty much dark. And mm. I think the horrors they were the king of horror films. You know, Nosferatu was pretty much the first horror film made. But um. Yeah, Frankenstein. Well, yeah. I love them all, so I can't. I can't yeah. Say. Well, there's no <laughs> wrong answer. <laughs> but putting stuff together, like like pieces, of Frankenstein. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Frankenstein's monsters are really good one. Hybrids and all that. Right. Yeah, Mary Shelley's an interesting writer too. I mean, her inspiration from that. I mean, yeah. Right. The romantics, which is funny that they call them the romantic writers when they were just writing horror films. <laughs> Well, they, you know, it it kind of coincides a little bit when you you add in like you know the damsel in distress or uh, yeah, that's why yeah. that's usually a top star always shoot is the damsel in distress. 
stress, you know. That's what Debbie Does Damnation was pretty much about. Yeah. Or yeah. Joined the Dark Went to Hell, you know, using um, reality and non-reality. That's why you have the animation showing the other side of it. In that world, could be anything. So it's animated. Yeah, I, I, w- I want to talk about those a little bit too. Uh, uh, you know, it's interesting how like the way that you've created uh, the hell for. Uh, sure. Well, you know, I, I mean, did. really, really, both films. Uh, they were not really like they were a little bit similar in a way, but not. Uh, you know, they were completely different movies. Well, yeah, that's the problem I had because it was pretty much a series. Originally, it was a series. Okay. I was trying to do, and it would, um, and I still have more of them. You know, I still have other ones that I've made I haven't released because, you know, it's a different girl this time, and then it's a different story. But it was, yeah, meant to be a series that, and I go, well, you know what? Instead of shorts, I'll just put them together and make them, you know, make them just like one film. And then another one that started with uh, Joanna Died and Went to Hell, which is, you know, something I really shot quick, and and uh, I said, oh, this works, and then built on top of that, and yeah. I had like four of them, and you know, now that I did that, um, yeah, I still have more to release. Wow, well, but it's old, so it's like, uh, you know, and then I had my mom's boyfriend die, and he he he's a writer, and he's he, for films, and he. Um, Give us rights for some film, um, uh, Blood Sabbath. So now I have to. Do, I'm in charge of this thing too. Mm. It's this iconic '70 cult movie. Okay. Like, well, okay. And I can start my own. Pretty much, I guess I should. I should start a, uh, my own distributing company. I got all these films. Works also from other filmmakers from the film festivals I was running to. You know, that are really good. That, that you know, people should see. And stuff I have is like amazing. That. You know, you're limited by the audience that you have, you know, and, and our film festival was the only place that, that time was the only uh, option, other option for getting your work seen in Hollywood. Mm. Yeah, man, you, you definitely need to, I mean, you know, just my opinion, but I would definitely like to see more of, of this series of like, you know, the Joanna and the Debbie does damnation. I would definitely like to see more of these because I... You know, there's something about the movies that just kept me sucked in. And I know, you know, there's not really a great uh, quality rip, like, on YouTube, because that's about the only place that I could find it. Right, right. But, man, I yeah, was so captivated by it. I'm sorry they didn't uh, sense that, but they, um, the, the, the vampire one, um, Vampire Vendetta, that's the, the one that's, yeah, I got this new kick, and it's, this one took me, like, 10 years to make, hmm. which, which is like Memento. Have you ever seen Memento? I have not seen that one. Yeah. Well, it's pretty much, um, these vampires have amnesia. So they don't even know that vampires are just like brain dead because, you know, the blood's not flowing to the brain. So I thought, well, scientifically, if there really was such thing as vampires, they'd probably be, you know, suffering from amnesia or, or <laughs> they wouldn't know what's going on. <laughs> and so that that's pretty much what happens that they tattoo stuff on their bodies and they also videotape everything so they could rewind it to see what happened five minutes ago or something, you know. And yeah, it came out, it was an interesting twist on the vampire genre. And it was also breaking the rules of all of the Von Trier's, um, you know, um, manifesto on, on filmmaking, which I said, I'm gonna break the rules of that. 
which I forgot the name of it, but um, yeah, Von Trier was this guy, director. Have you heard of Lars Von Trier? Uh, <laughs> I'm drawing He started a Dogma 95, right? This is 1995, yeah, okay, it was a while ago. But he had these rules of, of how to make films successfully from Sweden or something, I think it was from, and it had to be color, and there was to be no props in the movies whatsoever, and he had to do what's on the set, and he had to film it, whatever. And these rules were, I just broke every one of those rules. Instead of color, I go black and white. That's why I went black and white with my stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, had a lot of props or whatever. I used every trick that he would use. You know, everything was scripted with him. Everything would be scripted and all that. I didn't have a script. Pretty much, Debbie um Damnation had no script. Just a, like maybe a little, little comic thing I drew and, and with a few lines. And everyone pretty much had lived it. Like Dookie Flyswatter. You know, he did that. Yeah, he was a. He had lived everything. He was amazing. He, he pushed. He pushed the envelope on that film. I mean, he come on set and he would have to bring these like rat traps and just put them on his balls. You know, I'm like, oh my god, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then under his eye sacks, and he would just like just go over the top. You know, he had this cell phone, and it looks like you're jerking off. Or he would just go crazy. He'd come up with these crazy ideas. And we had all these musicians too. My friends, Texas Terry and the stiff one, she, she was interesting, and she just peed on the, the rubber bodies that were all over the floor. It was just like over-the-top stuff. And, and I go, okay, you know, I, now I have two versions of this, so I have like two versions of this film now, you know? Because there's that, that shocking version, too, which which I know I just cannot go through. <laughs> 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 but might as well have one, because there's a fan of that stuff, you know, the over-the-top yeah. stuff anyway, and that's what I'm trying to release. So. Well, you could do like two different cuts of the film. You know, have no, it like... I have it. I have it already. I only I only sent one to one person. That was it. Because when um when when it came out, uh, some guy right away just said, "Hey, can I get this?" And I, I sent him one. I made a copy. But yeah, I'm trying to get them. I need, I need money to get that going on. So or maybe find a distributor or something like that. But that's done for sure. And the oh. only thing you place you can see is like a clip for sale. You know, thing I have in store. That's it. Right. Well, one one guy comes to mind that you might know him, uh, Tony Masiello, who runs SOV Horror. He does uh, a lot of, uh, or he, you know, he has a lot of obscure horror movies in his catalog. Uh, oh, really? Might What's might be name? up your alley. Uh, his name's Tony Masiello. Oh, okay. No, I haven't heard of him. So. Yeah, he's got, you know, he's got, uh, you know, like filmmakers like Ron Ford. Um, Oh, okay. Uh, Gore Filth. Uh, you know, some, oh, wow, okay. Some of these other filmmakers. I think uh, even Joe Sherlock. Jim Matt Dever. Have you heard of him? Matt Dever? No, Jim Van Dever. Oh, Jim Van Dever. Uh, yeah, that'd be that Don, the Charles Manson movie thing. Oh, he, I've yeah, got him in yeah. a festival. I like this. I liked him. I hired him in, as my crew for some of the stuff I did. Nice. Oh, so he made Deadbeat at Dawn? Yeah, he's oh, starting wow. to do, yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. I met him at the Chicago Underground Film Festival, and we kind of like hung out for a little bit, and I hired him to do uh, stuff for, for the adult part of Extreme. Um, let me see. Yeah, I did um, Super Quick, and he was one of the villains, and, all, and I think he was helping me light it. Hmm. But yeah, we, he, he does some crazy stuff. I mean, his films are amazing, too, you know. Debbie that Don was like, like his, his thing, like, was my Debbie Does Damnation kind of thing. Yeah. Right. What he did there was was funny. Did amazing and over the top too. But For yeah, sure. I, I see what you mean. That, yeah, his stuff is obscure. Like I know all his obscure filmmakers. But if but yeah, I'll, I'll look this guy up. But 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll I'll send you a link to to him or whatever. And uh, but yeah, if you go to like sovhorror dot com, you know he's got a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff on there. A lot of underground horror stuff, and uh, he actually just got a, a silver bolo award from uh, Joe Bob Briggs himself on uh, on uh, an episode of The Last Drive In. So he's you know pretty proud of that. Wow, Joe Bob Briggs still around, huh? Yeah, yeah, he's uh he's got his own show on Shudder. Uh pretty much doing the same old Monster Vision stuff but uh through uh Shudder's horror streaming service and it's actually quite successful. Oh good, cuz I was yeah, I like that show. And then, uh, then last time I thought I was in Casino, I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh, he's an actor." No, that's good. Yeah, cuz like my my thing with Debbie was all about that. It was like it was, it was like a drive-in. What, what's the worst movie I could make, but make it really interesting? That make it at this kind of like the only way I could make it would be a B movie type of atmosphere, because you know limited on the budget. So I kind of magnified it to make it really over the top bad, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> With the voiceovers and stuff like that too. We, everything was just so over the top bad that I thought, okay, it can only be an underground film. You know, I mean, it, right. it can't be a mainstream. It, it, you know, because I was always against the mainstream thing, and mm-hmm. I'd make movies as bad as I can make it, you know, or really terrible, like really over the top. I mean, some of my visions, I, I envision is just so, I couldn't even put it out on film or write about it or, or draw it because it was just too horrendous, you know, horrific. You know, because I, I grew up with nightmares. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I was, I was having nightmares. That, that at one point, I just woke up and said, oh, cool, and I had to write them down because they were just over the top. Mm-hmm. Like this, worse than any. It's like hell. It's like I, I feel like the topic of hell is, is pretty much. It's so bad down there that the nightmare, nightmare that even my worst enemies, even if they deserve it, is still a violation. I see them there, and then it's like what they do to them, our souls, whatever, is so terrible that you know demons do hate humans. You know, like that kind of thing. That you, you say I wouldn't wish my worst enemy on there, and that that term came from is probably that. Because, yeah, I've seen, I've drawn stuff that is about hell and it is over the top, worse than what people will think. Mm. And I'm trying to put it out there, a message like, hey, not bad is, but it's even worse than that. Interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if they would only wanted a horror film, I could sure put one out, and I'm sure Sean, if you want to <laughs> just go, oh, no, this is too much, I can't, you know, you want Nice. Well, what's what's next for you, man? Do you got any? I know you're talking about wanting to try to get some of your older films, and then you got newer stories written, and you know you want to make more of kind of like the series. But what's what's next for you that you can talk about with us? Well, um, well no, I, like I said, um, Fang Vendetta. That's the one. Um, okay. Vampire's been. I mean, uh, Vampire's been overdone, but so is Zombies. See, I remember talking to my friend, the producer, and I called him up. I said. Hey, you gotta do this zombie TV series, you know, and it's gonna be big. And she's like, no, no, no. And I said, oh, you gotta do it because I was shooting zombie stuff while there. And then Walking Dead comes out, you know. Mm-hmm. And then and this financer from Korea, he he came up and he, he goes, hey, I want you to direct a film. So I did Speed Demon, which was in the works, and he gave me some money for it. But then he disappeared. So you know, the film was halfway done and it was like I could finish it but 
uh, he, he disappeared in, and so I have that, you know, that's, that's an over-the-top, it's kind of like Breaking Bad, but it's a biker this time, he comes out of prison, and he's, um, finds out that, you know, they took his money from, you know, the gang, you know, like, they only gave him, like, this pitiful amount of dollars in the paper bag, and he had to start over, so he goes to, you know, one of the sons, um, biker sons, who's a chemist, and they make speed, and they go with the Mexican mafia kind of thing, so it's deal with the devil, and then you have this tension right, right away in this lab, and next thing you know, it's, you know, it's like precinct 13th, you know, like, um, and all of a sudden this gangbanger say in their competition, they, they try to rate it, you know, so everyone, like, it's over the top violence there, too. Another person, like, go for hell. But, um, yeah, I have these two projects that are, one's done and one's almost done, and, yeah, it needs, it needs an audience. Right. Yeah, What's well. the Supergirl thing? Oh, <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, it's called, um, uh, El Hombre Muerto, so I'm doing um, Spanish, um, a superhero in Mexico, and, and I'm trying to get bilingual people to act in it, and it's going to be black and white, like old 50s, 60s television kind of thing, but again, um, we're going to have it over the top, it's going to feel in, in, uh, like it's in a period piece, you know, mm -hmm. with rotary phones and everything like that, and you know, uh, about a superhero, kind of like a Batman, almost like a rip-off of Batman, but he's, he's the dead man, and he's got a skull mask, and he's, you know, fighting crime, and it's like 19, like Mayberry, you know, 1950s in Mexico. <laughs> Very cool, man. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down to see something like that. have some uh just like some gratuitous nudity out of nowhere and be like whoa i didn't no, know that's what i was thinking but it's like that that time they wouldn't have that so how would i get away with something like that risque so mm -hmm. i don't think they even have g-string so you have to you know that's why i'll soon make it like authentic yeah but i'm gonna have the superheroes from like you know today's standards like back then you know you'll have a superman type you know and you have this type and and they came from an asteroid that came in from outer space kind of thing and they they're like the Anunnaki's came back, you know. Let's put it that way. Oh. And, then, and then they just wore, decided to wear superhero outfits because they saw what was popular then, and they oh, okay, we're gonna come in like gangbusters and take over cities and all that. So, <laughs> just as like you know superheroes, and, and they'll can relate to it. And you know that's what happened. They start controlling you. Mexico is the only one that doesn't have them, or third world countries don't have a designated hero. You know, so they, you know. They had to get the villains from these other countries that are running off from the superheroes, and they, they're collecting them. So they had to make up. So this guy, Homer Winter, comes in, you know, because he, someone's got to, you know, stop. Him. And it's all pretty much fun. It goes crazy. You have the Joker type and everything. So it's, 
kind of like making one of the DC Marvel universe, you know? Interesting. Because everything now is a universe, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Like I said, options are left now. It's like, you got to see a DC or the Marvel universe. Which one is it? <laughs> you going to vote Democrat or Republican? I mean, there's no, yeah, it's just, my God, rewritten stuff that's just rehashed, and it's just no original ideas are coming out. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like my ideas are being stolen, you know? I have these films made, and then they, they you know, Walking Dead comes out, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, this is like a year later happens, you know? Or when I was doing Speed Demon, like two years later, you know, Breaking Bad comes out, and I was like, well, what the hell? Man. It's almost like they're yeah. reading your mind. Yeah, so I got a lot of stuff I won't, I won't talk about because it's pretty much, and they're probably good ideas, you know? Right, right. So well, I hey, man, this is very, very cool, man. Uh, as we as we kind of wind down with the show, um, is there uh, any place that you'd like uh, you know the fans to to check out? Like, do you have any uh, thing you'd like to plug in for people to check out? No, really. Um, Besides uh, that, that new. I used to have uh, a website and everything, but that all came down. Um, oh. Let me see. YouTube, I know I have a channel like under E. Brummer. But you can see my stuff all over YouTube anyway. Um, like the flesh, you saw that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. And then, and then the Left Head series. That, they have a channel on that, too. That was told for me. God, everyone, I'm, not, I'm not internet savvy like I used to be, so. Yeah, everyone's like picking my stuff. <laughs> um, the only thing I ever have is like clips for sale. That's it. That's an adult website, which which was able to, um, I could put stuff out there unedited, like, like um, uncensored. And that's what it's the only thing, you know, and it's it's under uh, Slate and Wayne. Okay. Um, Sleaze Growing Theater, that's what it was called. Sleaze Growing Theater. And it puts for sale. But other than that, no, I don't really have a website. That's the only thing that pretty much has my stuff. Pretty it has sure. WWE and all that stuff, but... Like I said, Indiegogo and all that stuff you said, you mentioned, uh, I'm going to have to start bringing, yeah, that up. Right, yeah, I was going to say, besides that new Indiegogo that you got working, yeah. you know, in the works. <laughs> I need a donation, I don't know. I mean, I actually start PayPal or, or give me a suggestion, anyone. Um, you know, email me at slainwayne at AOL.com. <laughs> that's AOL. Nice. That's what That's AOL. old school. I still have AOL. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's the only way you can contact me, I guess. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and I'll, I'll uh, for what I can do, I'll put uh, all the links in the description of this episode. And, uh, and yeah, man, I'm all for the Indiegogo campaign stuff. Let, let me know when you decide to do that stuff, and I'll do whatever I can to try to help out. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. You know, I, I think your stuff is something that, people need to check out especially horror fans and you know the horror fans that i wouldn't say tired of like the the mainstream franchises and stuff that you know if you love horror movies sometimes you kind of go down a wormhole of watching more underground stuff and i definitely think people need to check out your stuff because you got some interesting horror movies from you know early 90s 2000s well i have a feeling it's going to resurge anyway and um, because yeah, they're limiting the things that you can see now, but but there's going to be a need for that, and people are going to want to see it, and that's what's happening is that 
It's like a, you know, one day this might be like a timepiece thing where, uh, you know, it's good to document this stuff or somehow incorporate, the, you know, these times into a movie and uh, just to kind of get people a sense of like, you know, 50, 100 years or, or more, an idea of what, you know, people in this time frame went through. Yeah, if we, if we even survive that because, I mean, climate change with the droughts and everything, it is real. I mean, I, I, I can say that, but, you know, but then again, the science of it is that even in Pluto and, and other uh, planets around the solar system, they're heating up too. So it's like a, a solar system heat up. It's not just greenhouse effects, gas, but it, there's there's a change going on. And, and I don't know what it is, but I know that other planets are, are heating up too in, in, in our solar system. And, and that's not, in a, you know, that's not a greenhouse effect thing, too. It's, it's happening everywhere. So there might be, yeah, already animals are getting extinct almost every day. There's going to be uh, some sort of animal that's getting extinct, and that's scary. You know, we've got to do something about that. Right. You know, and, and, and when we're limited and if things go shit, hit, shit hits sand, that's almost like my vision of, of my nightmares coming true, you know, because that's what I've been dreaming of like, all this time, things like that were always haunting me and I was thinking, oh, I just hope it doesn't come in like that. And if it does, well, then I'll better, you know, document it the best way I can. And that's usually through my horror films. That's why I always 
you know, I don't really want to, I don't know why it becomes a horror genre, all my films, you know, maybe that's how it is, you know, and this is the future and the well, hope not, I hope not, but, you know, we have time, I, well, maybe it's too late, but maybe we have time to save, you know, change things right away, right now, yeah. before it goes really over the top. <laughs> right, right. is a, a powerful weapon that's for sure yeah and it's my ears and sword well hey man eric uh i really appreciate you coming on here and and talking about your films and the horror genre and and everything else politics even <laughs> um well yeah yeah I, I didn't have my coffee yet so i, I hope i didn't make it bad <laughs> <laughs> no no it's fine this is like a raw raw interview so oh boy right Hey, man, uh, thank you so much for coming to the show. I really appreciate it. Well, that concludes the episode with Eric Brummer. Eric, just want to say uh, thank you again, man. This was a fun conversation to have with you. You know, just want to say good luck on uh, on trying to get some of your newer films off the ground. Like I said, man, if, if you need some help with uh, an Indiegogo campaign, just, uh, you know, where to reach me at. I'd be more than happy to, to help out however I can. Yeah, good times, good times. So next up, I'll be having, as far as guests go, I'll be having uh, Dennis Tenney on the show. He's the composer for Night of the Demons, Witch Trap, Witch Board 1 and 2, uh, Night of the Demons 3, Pinocchio's Revenge, Leprechaun 3, 4. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, should be a fun episode uh, talking to him about some of the films he's worked on. I'll also be having... Stacy Lane Wilson, who's an author and director on the show as well. She talks about her uh, newer books, and uh, we'll talk about the horror genre, and it should be a good episode. So that's something to look forward to. As far as diving into a, a specific movie, the next film we'll be talking about is The Toxic Avenger from 1984. That one should be uh, coming up here in uh, the near future as well. So... Uh, I just want to say thank you all for listening. And uh, you can find anything Root Horror Podcast related at www.linktree.com forward slash Root Horror Podcast. And with all that said, stay tuned for the next one.